Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Inside Access with Jason Lacanfora and Ken Wyman. Sponsored by Stevenson University Online. 105.7 The Fan. T-Bone, another day, another conversation about the Ravens passing game and how it wasn't good last year and can it get better this year yesterday we talked about deep passing today it's the red zone and it seems like forever ago when the ravens had an elite red zone offense in 2019 last year though not so much it was bad ken it was very bad only the jets and the patriots had a worse touchdown rate in the red zone ravens cashed in at just 44.44% of the time in red zone situations. And keep in mind, the Ravens were great through the first three weeks. They were at 80% (laughs) third in football. And a lot of it was because of that Patriots game where they were, I believe, five for five or four for four in that game. And Brian Wacker, a friend of the show, he covers the Ravens for the Baltimore Sun, he recently did a piece um, about this and just talking about the running back usage. And a big thing is a lot of these guys weren't really big factors in the red zone. J.K. Dobbins, Kenyon Drake, Gus Edwards. They combined for seven red zone touchdowns last year, ranked near the bottom of the league in touches, just 54 combined. And they were targeted on passing plays that combined seven times. Seven times in the red zone. And conversely, where the Ravens were the third worst red zone offense in football, Georgia, Todd Munkin, offensive coordinator there, Mm -hmm. they were best in the nation. 68.7% of their trips in the red zone ended in touchdowns. But you dive deeper into the numbers, Ken. Lamar Jackson 27 of 57 passing, 47.4% completion percentage, 203 yards, 13 touchdowns, just one pick. So the touchdown to interception ratio, nice, but the the completion percentage, and that's where it being well under 50% and you end up stalling Mm -hmm. because of that, not converting those chances, and you're settling for three instead of punching it in. But this offense, given... 
Todd Munkin being brought well, in. Well, yeah, that's yeah. Odell Beckham Jr., a, a target, a bigger target there, and you're hoping that Bateman can be a bigger target as well. This offense should be very effective in the red zone this year. Well, and I want to start with the Munkin part of it, and I, and this to me is similar to the deep balls, and it's it's about the play calling for some. Like like I think Todd Munkin is just a better play caller than Greg Roman, all around offensive play caller. Now Greg Roman might be the best run game coordinator that football's seen in in, in years, the twenty whatever, but it maybe the Shanahan's with their zone block scheme, but but. When it comes to throwing the football in the complete package of an offense, he's behind. Munkin, and, and as we've seen from him, he he basically he doesn't say, I'm going to force this round peg into the square hole. He looks at what he has and goes with what he thinks will succeed. And I think you'll see running backs catch the ball more out of the backfield. I, I think they've got better. Well, we'll get to the weapons in a minute, but I think he's going to want to incorporate others in this instead of the situation where it seemed like it was Mark Andrews or Boston years past. And the shocking number, again, saying the running backs being targeted on pass plays just seven times in the red zone. And you think of the wild card game where J.K. Dobbins scored a touchdown in, in the red zone, uh, in a goal-to-go situation, in a pass in the flats, where that's going to be a bigger part of this offense's game heading into 2023, is getting the running backs more involved in the passing game, and probably specifically J.K. Dobbins, maybe Justice Hill, a little here and there. But it, it, it goes back to yesterday. When we're talking about all of the weapons that the Ravens have and and how it makes defenses have to defend every single blade of grass because there's so many guys that can beat you, Mm -hmm. that makes this offense even more scary in the red zone because maybe this is a situation where, okay, you're in a first or a fourth and short. Gus Edwards is coming in, and he's going to be a battering ram there. Maybe it's a third and goal from the three-yard line. You can hit a J.K. Dobbins in the flat or Mark Andrews over the middle of the field. And Andrews, he didn't score a touchdown after that Giants game last year. And a big reason why is there wasn't anything else around him. They took him away. Defenses could focus in on him. And then... I think Odell Beckham Jr. can be a nice red zone threat as well. Yeah, I, the weapons are a big part of it, and the, the the ability of Munkin and then Lamar Jackson to use said weapons. I, I do think that this thing has a chance to be a whole lot better just because of the combination of those two factors. Uh, I also think that like the last two years, with everything going on with the contract, He's never going to admit it, but Lamar Jackson was not at his best the last couple of years. There, there were times where he showed like he was one of the best players in football, but I'm talking about consistently. Like, and, and by the end of each year, it seemed to wear him down, and then he would get hurt, and then he was missing December's. I, I just, I think that having the security now, we're going to see a different Lamar Jackson. It, it's a total weight off of his shoulders. It, that was a talking point every single press conference that he had throughout the offseason, throughout training camp, leading up until week one, until he put that self-imposed deadline for negotiations to be over. And then each week, while he wasn't being asked about it in the press conference, we're talking about it. The national media is talking about it. Is Lamar earning money because of this start? Is he mm, making yeah. money and losing money because he got hurt? The Ravens, their spy. 
all of these factors, now that outside noise is gone. That cloud over the organization is gone, and you're hoping it's sunny skies from here on out. Yeah, and I'm really curious, as training camp starts three weeks from, what, yesterday, to see... Like and we won't be allowed to talk about it, but to see how J.K. Dobbins is used on eleven on elevens, to see how they're spreading the ball around, to see what like Isaiah Likely and Charlie Kohler, because they have the potential to have to see a Nelson Aguilar, to see a Zay Flowers, Odell Beckham, to see all of this together, and to see how the the, the Todd Munkin makes it all come together and work. Yeah, and it's going to take time. We were. We had Jonah Schaefer on earlier in the week uh, talking about, look, maybe this offense doesn't hit the ground running week one because they're not going to play in any preseason games. It's going to take some time for this to gel, but once it gets to midseason and Todd Munkin really figures out putting these guys in their best positions to succeed and how they can complement each other well and different packages to really put pressure on defenses. Once he hits his stride as a play caller, I I really think this offense, the sky's the limit. Inside access here on a Thursday. Orioles taking on the Yankees game four of this four-game series. Baltimore baseball tonight at six. That's Bob Haney and Jim Hunter here on the fan. Coming up next, the Orioles are going to have a decision to make. Ryan Mountcastle is due to come off the injured list over the All-Star break. And assuming they don't option him, that mean, and he does have options, so hypothetically they could option him. But assuming they don't, they have a decision to make. For, and for the first time, with all due respect to others, this is a really, really tough decision. Who goes when Ryan Mountcastle gets here? We're going to tell you our thoughts. And we have a poll next here on The Fan. Inside X. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Jason, Ken, and the third member. I'm Tim Barbalace. It's Inside Access. Oh, he's terrible. He's a hack. 105.7 The Fan. Orioles win last night 6-3. to three. Baltimore baseball tonight at 6. Bob Haney, Jim Hunter getting you ready for game four of this four-game series. Orioles looking for the split. Orioles are going to have themselves a tough decision 
assuming that Ryan Mountcastle is an option, he does have options. I, I just can't foresee them optioning him. They they finally have themselves a tough decision to make when he comes back on the roster over the All Star break. And you and I have uh, discussed this, and there's basically four options as far as uh, guys that he could replace on this roster. Because we don't think Westberg or Kowser or, like, those guys are here. Like, so you're looking at Jorge Mateo, Adam Frazier, Aaron Hicks, or Ryan O'Hearn. One of those four. And only O'Hearn has options. So that means you got a DFA and then maybe trade one of them. Or you can send O'Hearn down and keep everybody. But O'Hearn is the most productive of these four guys. Yeah, and we put a poll out with this question, and it's brought to you by QC Kinetics, the nation's leader in regenerative medicine, now offering this exciting treatment in Baltimore. If you have ongoing joint pain from arthritis or injury, get a free consultation by calling 410-989-PAIN. That's 410-989-PAIN. O's have a tough roster decision to make once Ryan Mountcastle's rehab assignment is done during the All-Star break. What move would you make if you were Mike Elias? Over 400 votes in already, Ken. IA1057, the fan, is how you find the poll on Twitter. DFA slash trade, Jorge Mateo, 49.3%. Frazier, 33.7%. Option, Ryan O'Hearn, 9.6%. And DFA slash trade, Aaron Hicks, 7.5%. So my initial thought on this was DFA Frazier. And no offense to Adam Frazier, and he's gotten some big hits for this club. But I don't know if his services are needed any longer with all the depth they have in the middle infield and more to come from the minor leagues. That said, they paid him $8 million, which means he's still got about $4 million left on this deal. I don't think they're going to eat $4 million. They're so reluctant to spend money, period. I just don't see them eating it. So that took me to Ryan O'Hearn, which even though he's the most productive guy, he's the one guy that can keep in the organization even though he'd be off the roster because he'd be sent down. Yeah, man, that's a tough, tough call. You go back to May 31st, and that was right after Cedric Mullins went down, and then Ryan Mountcastle went down very soon after that. 26 games, Ken, and O'Hearn has driven in 13 runs. He's batting 310. He's got an OPS of 913, five home runs. I mean, he's just been... Very productive. Yes, he went them. through a little bit of a rough patch, yeah. but now he's had the big home, home run, run last, last night. night to give him the insurance runs. I, I can't send him down right now. I don't want to. I, I really can't, and I, I get it. You're trying to preserve the other three. For me, I don't see them doing it with Adam Frazier. I mean, he just seems like a high guy, and he's been struggling his last 32 games, a 185 batting average there. Jorge Mateo, we know his struggles. Last 50 games, 148 batting average, 195 on base percentage. I'm reluctantly going to say Hicks. Yeah, that I, I don't love it. It's not a move that I want to see made. He got off to a scorching start with the Orioles, and he's calmed down some. He does have a uh, hit in uh, four straight games, but batting 154 over his last 12 games. You still have Santander that can play um, outfield, of course, can play the corner uh, Uh right field spot. And I want O'Hearn up here to platoon with Mountcastle. So I don't love it. 
But we got to make a choice. It's live radio, Ken, mm-hmm. and I'm going to go with DFA Hicks. Well, that's the that might be the cleanest DFA of the three because yeah. you don't owe him any money, and yeah. you have so many outfielders, and you con- you're concerned about the Mateo, and just he can still pinch run and yeah. defensive replacement. I, the lineup is out. Still no Austin Hayes in today's lineup. Uh, Gunnar Henderson leading off at shortstop. Adley Rochman's the catcher, batting second. Anthony Santander in right field, batting third. Ryan O'Hearn batting fourth at first base. Cedric Mullins DHing, batting fifth. Aaron Hicks is in center field, batting sixth. Colton Kowser batting seventh in left field. Jordan Westberg is the second baseman, batting eighth. And Ramon Orias, third baseman, batting ninth. And Orias theoretically could be another move if you wanted to trade him yeah. for a bullpen guy. But... I, the Hayes, each day that he's out now, Ken, it it makes you wonder. And if they do put him on the IL, it just prolongs the inevitable of this eventual decision having to be made. But, I mean, maybe in the short term, that could be the move, Hayes. Yeah, he could, but but it's it's a retroactive move. He's already, he's already missed what he, he got hurt on Sunday. Yeah. So they played Monday, correct? Yeah, this is a fourth of fourth yeah. game series. So yeah. this is now four games missed. You retroactive it to Monday. He said he was day to day. He's there's six gate six days left. Like you're basically you come or six yeah, six days left. You're it's still the same decision. You're not you could you could hypothetically put Mountcastle on the roster for Austin Hayes. Yeah, but Austin Hayes is coming back in it's a week. That, yeah, you're delaying the inevitable, but. I, this organization, Mike Elias, he hasn't had to make a decision this difficult on a 26-man roster no. his entire tenure here. And uh, there's an Orioles fan say on Twitter tweeted this, and he kind of hit it. This is hard. Mateo can provide great defense, elite speed off the bench. Frazier is a veteran presence in the infield, signed to decent money, and Hyde loves him. Hicks is a great fourth outfielder and has speed. O'Hearn's been fantastic this season. Why send him down? I agree with all four of those assessments. Well, the the reason you send O'Hearn down is because you you don't want to save save the three. But, I mean, he's being productive in an offense that – desperately needs if it's go time maybe hicks is the guy and and you thank him for everything he did and now that they're healthy and calger's up and mullins is up you don't really need hicks anymore and unfortunate but yeah i could i could see that one and when we had on ryan because you still have santander isn't yes, exactly and when we had ryan ripkin on an hour ago i was a little surprised when he said maybe they could use one of those options for mount castle yeah. but by some time I he has options I don't see that being the case Ken he I believe he had a couple hits uh again last night I uh, gotta double check that but he's someone that's been trending in the right direction and a decision has to be made on this by the all-star break and I, I also wonder and Ryan kind of alluded to this as well are there like when the dust settles and we still have about four weeks until that dust settles but there could be trades that are made in the very near future that affect all of this and and might take care of some of this roster inflexibility that is going on right now. Ryan said that in terms of the middle infield, whether that's guys on the current roster, talking about Mateo, a Frazier, or down on the farm, and Ortiz and a Norby, not all of those guys are going to be here come August 2nd, and I 
fully agree with that, Ken. There's just too many of them, and you got to free up some spots. Yeah. Once again, the poll is at IA1057. The fan already well over 400 votes. Uh, please vote on the poll. It'll be up there uh, for the next about 23 hours. Uh, coming up next here on the program, as the Orioles try to get the split with the Yankees, we'll talk some more as with John Mioli covers the O's for the Baltimore Banner. We will ask him about who's going when Ryan Mountcastle returns and who's untouchable in trade talks. He had that great piece last week about the tiers of Orioles prospects. John Mioli joins us next here on The Fan. Inside. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink... What you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Access. Sports 24 7. 1057 The Fan. Orioles win last night 6-3. to three. Game four of this four-game series this evening. Baltimore baseball tonight at 6. Bob Haney, Jim Hunter getting you ready for some Orioles baseball. Let's talk O's now as we head out to the Ashley Furniture Guest Hotline. John Mioli covers the Orioles for the Baltimore Banner, and he joins us now. And, and John, good afternoon. Thank you, as always, for joining us. And we talked to you last week. You wrote that great piece, basically, putting the prospects into tears. I, I, I want to ask you, with the way Heston Kerstad has played since being promoted to AAA, I, I, and you had Holiday and Grayson as basically being untouchable. I, I feel like Kerstad should be in that tier also. Am I crazy? Absolutely not. Um, he is probably, you know, now that, you know, if I wrote that this time, this week, you know, Colton Kowser wouldn't be on it. And, and, and Kerstad would probably be the next guy to move up into that tier. I think that the differentiator there is kind of really how, you know, how the Orioles view the offense profile long-term. Obviously they love how hard he hits the ball at good angles and the damage he could do on all kinds of pitches. Um, but, but, you know, Michael Elias was talking a little bit today on a pre-draft call about how there wasn't even a through line between someone like Adley Rutschman and Colton Kowser and, and Kerstad as far as the top picks go. Kowser and Adley Rutschman have great play discipline. They control the strike zone. Um, they make really good swing decisions. Kerstad just doesn't really have that profile, but he is able to make it work because he's able to get to his power in so many different ways. Um, so, so I think that he would be untouchable if they don't mind that. I also think that if they really want to make a big swing and they think that could be a long-term hindrance to his performance in the big leagues, there are a lot of teams that are watching him, you know, sending scouts to Bowie and Norfolk and seeing him, you know, smack opposite field home runs and just slug 
consistently for three months now and and that would make it really attractive if you're going to go out and make a big move so i think if they want to make a big move that's the piece to do it and that's why i didn't really put him in that category but anyone can and they wouldn't be wrong Colton Kowser making his debut last night, John. And last night had to be what Mike Elias was hoping for when he took over as GM. Kowser was one of five guys that they drafted, developed, brought him up through the system, and all of them made an impact. Kowser drove in a run. Westberg had the bases clearing a, a triple. Gunner had a hit. Adley a couple of hits. Mullins had a couple of hits as well. I mean, how cool is it to see five drafted guys come up, and that's with an Austin Hayes and a Ryan Mountcastle still on their way back? Yeah, it, it was really, it was really kind of you know I was watching it, it, it from home and and just kind of thinking about how this was you know you mentioned Hayes and Mountcastle not being there, but like this is when you envision like what the Orioles lineup could look like when it's at its best, having those guys in there is a part of that and it's a testament to you know the Orioles drafting them and developing them them the way they did and I think it's also a testament to them for for getting them up here and realizing that that they can help this team right now now you know now the Cowser's up it's all you know we just move on to the next thing mm. when does, you know when does Kerstad join when does Grayson Rodriguez come back up but but you really you know take a step back and look at look at the pieces that are on this roster or in Mountcastle's case coming back you know, probably sooner rather than later. And, and even though the offense hasn't been performing in a way that anyone, you know, would want recently, there are the pieces there to put together a really, really strong um, homegrown lineup. And I think that is, that's the idea. That's the fact that this team has already been performing the way that it is. And, and those guys can add upside in a way that some of the guys that are placing simply couldn't like that. That's a really significant thing as this team gets ready for the second half. We're talking to John Mioli. It's inside access here on the fan. John, you mentioned Mount Castle, and he's due to come off the IL over the All-Star break, which basically this, this is, to me, as far as roster management, this is going to create the hardest decision Michael Elias has had because I know Massing Classics, Classics has reminded us repeatedly in the last week uh, of games with uh, Hanser Alberto and Pat Faleka and guys like that, but there's really no easy call when Mount Castle comes back, what do you think is going to be the corresponding move when Mountcastle returns? Oh, man. Um, I guess you just kind of look automatically at who has options and who doesn't. It's it's a short list. I don't think you bring up somebody like Westberger or Kowser just to send them back down nah. in two weeks, especially if they're performing. Um, Ryan O'Hearn's one of those guys, John. We, we put out a poll basically with the names DFA or Trey Mateo, Frazier, Hicks, and Ryan O'Hearn does have an option. So he does. That's an interesting thing. I think that he's probably doing a lot for himself this week in New yeah. York to make that to make that not. I'm also I, I want to. I'm I'm thinking in my head if Ramon Arias does have an option, that would be surprising. But if you're going to take a take a right-handed bat away, um, he does not. Then, oh, so he's he's out. Okay, so that's that's interesting. I honestly, I you know, I think that it'll probably end up being. Gosh, if O'Hearn has an option, that would be really tough luck considering how he's he's playing. But I think that you might end up seeing, you know, a tough DFA. This has not been, you know, the Orioles that we've seen of old where they're where they're kind of managing the roster for anything other than trying to win <laughs> win now. Um so if somebody, you know, who who has been a contributor to this team over the last couple of years is not performing and doesn't have a spot, you know, you might see one of those you know, actual, this, this could be one of those actual hard decisions. Yeah. You could see a DFA of somebody who has played a meaningful role on this team just because they're not performing in the moment and they need to get, 
you know, they need to get the best roster they have on the field. It's a fascinating question, though. I hadn't even considered it. Uh, John, Yanir Cano made the All-Star game. He's participating in the festivities next week. But uh, looking a lot more human lately, Anthony Volpe took him yard in the short porch yesterday. But over the past month or so, he's been getting hit around more. OPS, I believe, uh, in the 900s in his last 10 appearances or so. Is there any concern with him? I, I would think so. I mean, I think that he probably, you know, he created such a high bar for himself that I think the Orioles kind of immediately got to the point where we're going to, it's not about situations with him. It's like this guy's going to go out there at any mm-hmm. situation, runners on, no runners on, leverage, um, you know, multi innings and like do the job for us. I think that I th- I'm, I'm wondering if you dig into those and I haven't done it myself, if there are pockets emerging or types of hitters who, seem to be seeing him a little bit better now types of, you know, sequences or whatever that, that he's being taken advantage of on. And if, as things, as things progress, um, he's maybe used in a more situational role, still high leverage still, but, but in order to get the most out of them, I don't, I think that would come with somebody else emerging as, you know, that kind of lockdown eighth inning guy, that leverage guy in all circumstances. And I don't think that guy's in the bullpen as we speak right now, but, but but it's definitely something to monitor, monitor and whether the Orioles are just going to start considering maybe putting him in better spots because what they got from him in the first you know two months of the season was so incredible in any situation with any qualifiers against left right anything that that it created a pretty sizable set of expectations for him and I wonder if that might not be who he is going forward. John, you mentioned Grayson Rodriguez earlier. His last start, he was dominant, 12 strikeouts. Uh, when do you see him back in Baltimore? Um, I would imagine soon. Um, I, I've, I've kind of thought, I wonder I wonder if maybe they do something, you know, heading into the All-Star break, if somebody who they're trying to manage innings for, you know, they could maybe skip a start for somebody over the weekend, get him up, um, and, and then you could have – I'm sorry, did he pitch Tuesday or Wednesday? He pitched yesterday? Tuesday. 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 Okay, so so he could be online to pitch, you know, Sunday if they want yeah. to get somebody somebody a little break, and then you kind of manage the rotation from there, given just how difficult the schedule is going to be in the second half. But you know, as I as I told you guys last week, I don't think this is a situation where it's going to be a super high bar. It's not like they're going to keep moving the goalposts and and having him, you know, hit these outsized hit these outsized targets to get called up. I mean, he's on the roster. Um, he's doing exactly what they wanted him to do in Norfolk. And, and this is a rotation that has a lot of guys who are going to need to have their innings managed in the second half. I wonder, given what we've seen from him over the last month in Norfolk, whether they start that sooner than later. Kyle Bradish back on the mound tonight, and he's been great over his last handful of starts. John, is he starting to really turn the corner and maybe be one of those upper echelon guys for the O's? I would say so. I mean, I think that, and I put Dean Kramer in the same bucket. Like, when they are on and when they're good, like Dean Kramer was last night and like Kyle Bradish has been the last few times, like, that is a playoff caliber, you know, you know, middle to top half of the rotation type starter that you can, that you can rely on. You know, consistency is something that comes at different stages in guys' careers. Um, Kyle Bradish has shown it in, in long spurts. And then he's also had, you know, stints where he just didn't seem, seem like he had it. I'm, I'm very interested to see how it goes in New York tonight. Um, his division results have been improving of late. You know, I think he got his first win recently in the division, but, but I think that as, as this goes forward, 
you know, same for Dean Kramer again. If they can build on this consistency and just keep being that guy and not have those outings where where you kind of you know early on that it's going to be a grind, I think that's going to make a big difference for this team because when they get those those starts, pretty broadly they win, and 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 he's been the beneficiary of that you know, pretty often recently. John, let's finish with, with Kramer. And uh, last night, frankly, he was pretty dominant. 10 Ks, just one walk, went seven. I was also surprised because Brandon Hyde's kind of predictable with his starters. They get around the sixth and the seventh. First base runner, he pulls him. Kramer had that two-out walk in the seventh, and he let Kramer stay in to finish the inning. Showed a lot of trust in him. Coming off his worst start of the year. Yeah, and I think, and uh, you know, I'm sure there's a variety of factors that go into that. Um, but but I think that Dean Kramer is somebody specifically who it seems like it's it's a confidence game for him. I don't think he lacks in it, but I think he benefits from having it and having that displayed. And you know he's not he's somebody that can be pretty, you know. And, and look, he can he he appears as invested as he is on the mound. And for him to have an outing like that, pitch as well as he did, and make you know issue one walk and then have to you know immediately almost be punished for that and come out of the game when it seemed like he was in a pretty good position to finish that seventh I I, I think the benefit of doing that and having that payoff is a lot higher than the downside of of ending an outing that was as good as that on what would probably be a pretty frustrating note so so you know hopefully he can continue that you know as he goes into the second half but I think that was a vote of confidence and, and and a pretty high upside bet that letting him finish that inning and and solidify you know what a good start that was was more valuable than than the potential downside in in having it end on a sour note john mioli covers the o's for the baltimore banner john great as always thank you so much for your time all right thank you fellas talk to you soon thanks so much hey coming up next uh, with the trade deadline approaching our buddy Jimmy Sunshine on Monday and uh, the, the holiday, he brought up an interesting hypothetical, which I, I want to throw out to the people. 410-583-1057. If the Mets fall out, and we've heard Steve Cohen already say, you know, if, if this thing doesn't get turned around, we've got some decisions to make. But what if the Mets said that they'd be willing to trade either Max Scherzer or Justin Verlander, both are on two-year deals, for second-level prospects, which for the Orioles are probably eight prospects in other organizations, but two or three second-level prospects, and they'll pay half of their salaries because they're both making $40 million a year. So they'll be making $20 million for next year and, what, about 10 this year. Would you consider bringing in one of those guys in a deal like that, 410-583-1057? We'll give you our thoughts next here on The Fan. Inside. Inside. With Jason Lockenfora and Ken Wyman. Jason and Tim sit in the bleachers. Ken sits in his brother's seats behind home plate. Inside Access 1057 The Fan. You can't always get what you want. You can't always get what you want. Orioles win last night 6-3 to three, back in action tonight. Baltimore baseball tonight, Bob Haney, Jim Hunter at 6 o'clock here on The Fan. And when I was doing the show on Monday, Jimmy Sunshine himself, Jimmy Patsos, came in studio with us, and he, he just threw at me. He says, hey, Ken, what if the Mets fall apart and maybe make 
like Scherzer or Verlander available, pay half their salary. Would you trade for him? And it's interesting because Jimmy is it's, it just came out of the blue. He's probably talking about like the new facility at Maryland, and then yeah, you segue so right into it. yeah, because uh, you know Jimmy. Oh, um, yeah. But the more I thought about it, and, and he said, like they're making, they're each making their two year deals. They're each making forty million dollars a year. Orioles have no money committed here. If you could get, like for me, it would be Verlander. He just won a World Series a year ago. If you could say get Verlander for like, I'm just throwing hypothetical, like Joey Ortiz, D.L. Hall, and Kyle Stowers, would you do it? Hmm. I still want to see Hall, and I feel like you're kind of selling low on him. I would give up one of Ortiz and Norby. By the way, 410-583-1057. Curious to get people's thoughts on this. I would give up a Stowers. I mean, what if you gave a Drew Rom? Okay, hypothetically. Yeah, yeah. I, look, if you're giving up, you know, one top 100 guy and then a, a couple lower tier guys mm-hmm. for a Verlander or a Max Scherzer, I'd say sign me up. And we know that this club has no money on the payroll. Correct. They, they just have James McCann next year for five million dollars, mm-hmm. and they had the second lowest payroll in all of baseball. What you have in those two guys, are they top, top, top tier guys at this point? Didn't Verlander win a Cy Young last year? And yeah. now, granted, they're both around 40 years that's, old. That's what I'm saying. I mean, the, it, you can fall off. And you look at the numbers and, and you dive deeper in the analytics. I mean, they aren't fantastic by any stretch but if you look at the raw numbers for a verlander three and four three six six era one one eight whip and then scherzer eight yeah, and two. he won the, he won the cy young last year in houston and then eight and two four oh three era one one nine whip um and then the baseball savant number is not as kind to a verlander as opposed to a scherzer but my point is you're only going to get him for these two years, mm-hmm. more than likely. And they're probably retiring after that. Exactly. But I think there's value to that. And Gibson is that veteran on the staff, but either of these guys are future Hall of Famers. Yeah. They, I mean, you're you're talking about serious, serious cred with these guys, and they instantly become a, one of, if not your best starting pitcher in the rotation. They're easily going to start for you in the postseason. Both of these guys have postseason experience. Both, Both of these won guys World have won World Series. And Cy Young, I, I kind of think it's a no-brainer. Yeah, yeah. Like When I thought about this a little more, and thank you, Jimmy Patsos, for this hypothetical, with all due respect to Kyle Gibson, the moment, and for me, the guy's Verlander, he won a Cy Young last year. So, And this is purely, we're going down a hypothetical rabbit hole here. But Steve Cohen did say, if things don't, like he said, I, I get the reality of all this. There's got to be moves to be made if this thing doesn't get itself turned around. Now, to their credit, the Mets, they brought up the young catcher. He's hitting big homers. They're winning. They've won a couple games, so and we'll see. Known yeah, July. Yeah, so we'll see. But with all due respect to Kyle Gibson, Justin Verlander walks into that clubhouse oh. immediately. Cha- like he's revered. He's immediately re- like Kyle guys Gibson. Gravitate the, towards yeah, him. yeah, the guys, the guy. I get it. Guys respect Kyle Gibson. He's done it before. He's been in the league a while. This guy's won multiple Cy Youngs and championships. 
He's been through wars in Major League Baseball. He's pitched in big games in the regular season and the postseason. Uh, I, I, yeah, I am, uh, I am all aboard this hypothetical. And, and and you want a starting pitcher? Jason even talks about getting a starting pitcher because you need a guy for the postseason. What's Justin Verlander be your number one starter, assuming he's healthy, 39, 40 years old? And you're kind of doing this twofold, right, Ken, where you're doing it. You're, you aren't giving up the farm, pun intended. You're getting a guy that can help you this year. You're getting a guy with control. Uh, you'll have him under contract in 2024. And we've talked to Alex Fast in the past about the incredible free agent class to be in terms of starting pitching mm-hmm. this upcoming offseason. So you can double down at that point, not having to give up your prospects. And you can still pay, even if you didn't want to go on the ace waters, the second tier waters, and you don't have any payroll committed. Yeah. So you can double down in that fashion if you want. By the way, Berlander's 40, Scherzer's 38. So that, there's your ages for these guys. Uh, but uh, yeah, two years, they both signed year monster contracts with the Mets. 410-583-1057. Let's go out to the phone lines. Grab Jeff in Pasadena. Jeff, you're on the fan. Hey, Ken, Tim, how you doing? What's up? Not much. Hey, this Mets trade that you got, hypothetical that you talk about, uh, the only the only thing that's no-brainer about that deal would be Elias would all of a sudden have no brains if he made that deal. Why? This this team is not World Series ready. They're no, I bet I'd agree two, with. They're a year or two away, and I don't want to give up a Joey Ortiz and um, a Kyle Stowers for somebody that's going to, you know, be around for a year and a half, mm-hmm. okay, when this team's not ready to win a World Series. If this were two years from now and, and – Well, but Jeff, how do you, Jeff, how do you know they're not going to be ready to win a World Series next year? They're not. This roster's not ready yet. But we, don't, but, we haven't yeah. had the offseason. Yeah. They've got – They've got two more moves to bring up from the farm at the very least, well, it, it, and then you got to get them a year under their belt. Well, then that, this team will be what Mike, what Mike Elias built it to be. Appreciate the call. First of all, it's not going to be all farm guys. And the teams don't in modern baseball. You're not going to have your whole team be farm guys. And and let me ask you this: Where's Kyle Stowers playing? Where's Joey Ortiz playing? Where's Connor Norby playing? Where's Connor Norby playing? That like these guys that you're talking about that you don't want to trade, they have no place to play here, assuming health. Joey Ortiz has no place to play. Jackson Holiday is going to be the shortstop for this team by the end of next year or the beginning of the following year. He's got no place to play. So one of the things you use farm system for, not only does it help your team get better, but you use it to get assets from other teams. And the other part of this is, a, a Verlander or a Scherzer, just being around those young guys has value. It's going to make them better. Yeah, it has value. And just saying that we're putting these guys in a trade package, we're not disparaging them as players. No, you we're, have to give up something. Gets- yeah, we're the ones screaming. How how come Joey Ortiz can't get any run with this major yeah. league uh, club right now when he's just absolutely killing the baseball at Norfolk and he's known as a club first guy? It's it. Unless something changes, where is he playing? I, I get it. I don't want to give up Kyle Stowers or Joey Ortiz either, but they have no place to play here. Zero. There, there's no there's no place to play for them. And by the way, Heston Kerstad's ahead of Kyle Stowers. Well, where's he where's he going? 
He's going somewhere else. That's where he's going. They're going to make a trade at some point. You're, you can't keep everybody. You can't have an overloaded system. You'd be doing the organization a disservice if you build this great farm system and then just overload it and do nothing with it. Hey, coming up next, Mike Elias met with the media earlier today talking about the draft and uh, uh, what they're looking at as the draft is this coming. Draft is what, next week? It's during yeah. the, the All-Star break. What are the Orioles thinking as the draft? First time they're not picking the top five. We'll hear from Mike Elias next here on The Fan. Jason Lockenfora and Ken Wyman on The Fan. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 